Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Sometimes in our court system today, the only part of the Bible that we see is put your hand on the Bible and swear. From there on, it's whatever happens. God says, don't do that. This is to guide you in your decisions in our legal system. So we don't live by psychology to 101. We don't even live really by our laws. Unless they come from this. That's been a problem in our country. The Bible is sufficient. As a Christian becomes strong in their faith, as a church's members proclaim Jesus loudly, they draw more attention to themselves as representatives of the Lord. While that means that many people will hear the truth, the enemy will also draw nearer. Don't be surprised at spiritual warfare when it seems that the Lord's presence is becoming more known. The more effective you are as a believer, the more you will be under attack. As we'll hear today, Jehoshaphat makes some appointments that will honor the Lord, only to find that Judah is being attacked by vast armies. But the Lord will assure him and us that the battle is his to win. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 19, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, Honestly Representing God. When Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned safely to his palace in Jerusalem. Now you remember, Jehoshaphat had disobeyed God. Even though he was a godly king, he had really done wrong. And he got in this unequal yoke union with King Ahab of Israel in the north. And because of this, King Ahab was killed. And really, Jehoshaphat should have been killed. Notice it says, when he returns safely to his palace. God allows us to have his word to bring safety and joy into our lives. We're supposed to obey it. When you see that he returns safely, even though he's done wrong, that just reminds us of the grace of God. Jehoshaphat didn't deserve to be alive. He should have been dead. He did exactly what God told him not to do. But because of God's grace, he's alive. You'll see in a moment, this is a great wake-up call for Jehoshaphat. I think the times we're living in is a great wake-up call for all of us. We have to be careful that we don't keep pointing our fingers at them. Let's just get ourselves right. The light will shine bright. Them will take care of themselves. And you're going to see that Jehoshaphat does exactly that. He starts with himself. And I think that's a renewed call for ourself. So this close call brings Jehoshaphat to his knees. Verse 2. Jehu the seer, the son of Hanani, went out to meet him and said to the king. Now this is a, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, a prophet. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Well, you know the answer to that. Well, no. 
Why should I be helping the wicked and hate those that love God? Well, because of this, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Now, remember, we're in the New Testament, so we don't live under God's wrath. We live under his grace. But there's a time coming in the book of Revelation, during that seven-year period, that people will be living under God's wrath. You be glad tonight. Don't pray for God's wrath in this thing. You be glad we live under grace, because God's wrath is not something you and I want to see or any of our friends see, but it's going to happen. So even in this correction... Notice what is happening here. Jehoshaphat knows it's wrong. God comes to him through this prophet and says, guess what? You're in trouble. But look at verse 3. There is, however, some good in you. I like that, don't you? Wise, when you go home tonight, just say to your husband, in spite of all that, there's some good in you. I had to look really hard, but there's some good in you. For you have rid the land of the Asheroth poles, and have set your heart on seeking God. That's the good. You see, the correction from God is a great example. The prophet says to him, you haven't done very well, and you're going to be paying for this. See ya. No, then he says, oh, by the way, God also knows there's some good in you. And because of this, here's what God sees That's the good in you. That's a great example for you that are parents, grandparents, and all of us that are in leadership. We need to learn to admonish, certainly when it's needed. But when we admonish, we also need to learn to encourage. So here God does both. He admonishes, and yet he wants to give a word of encouragement so that Jehoshaphat isn't totally discouraged. That's a great thing for all of us. Now you're going to see how Jehoshaphat takes this. He's going to repent, which means you turn around and you live a different direction. And you're going to see the things that happen. Now, he's going to set a course of spiritual and legal renewal. And he's going to set a course for all the people that are following him. Remember, there are hundreds of thousands of Israelites that are watching this king lead. Verse 4, now Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem. And he went out again among the people of Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and he turned them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. Back to the God of their fathers. That's exactly what this country needs. We need to go back to our biblical roots. That's what Jehoshaphat was doing. There is a problem. If we look back, to be very honest, the generation of youth and children that we have right now, if you step back one generation, most of those people never had a relationship with God. You see, the people that are raising our children and teenagers today were not the same in their relationship with God as their parents were, and their parents were. That's why we're on a dangerous road. That's why England is no longer a godly nation. So, it's imperative to us to realize the urgency and the continuing need to minister to our junior high, our senior high, and our children. Because many of the children, all the way from those young children to the senior high, their parents don't have a relationship with God. 
Their parents can't sit them down and say, okay, let me give you the assurity of God's word. They don't know it. They're not in church. They don't understand God. They were raised with many of them, just dead religion. So understand the urgency and the requirement for those churches that are serving God today. The only role models that they have for God are us and their teachers. That's why you need to be in prayer for them. Pray for the youth. So they have nothing to go back to. Those of you that are godly parents, it's a wonderful thing because your kids are blessed. They don't know it yet. But many of our youth, certainly men of our children, have nothing to go back to. Now look at verse 5. It affects the legal reform of the country. That wouldn't be something that we need, would it be? He appointed judges in the land in each of the fortified cities of Judah. He told them, carefully consider what you do. Because, great sentence to underline, because you are not judging for man but for the Lord, who is with you whenever you give a verdict. Now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Judge carefully, for with the Lord our God, there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. Now why are those three things said there? Because that's what sin does. Sin does to a nation in the legal system, it brings injustice, it brings partiality, and it brings bribery. No different than in Washington today. No different if we're not careful in church leadership. That's sin. Verse 8, in Jerusalem also, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites, priests, and heads of the Israelite families to administer the law of the Lord and to settle disputes. And they lived in Jerusalem. Keep your finger there. Turn back to the book of Deuteronomy 16. I think it's important that we understand what Jehoshaphat did. He had already previously, you remember, gone through the country and got the people back to studying God's word. That's what I'm praying for that will happen across our nation, is that people will get back to churches that are teaching God's word. And you see in Deuteronomy 16, down in verse 18, why Jehoshaphat says to these individuals, these legal people, judges and so forth, you go back to the Torah now, you go back to what God gave us, this is how we're going to legislate and judge the people. Look in verse 18. This is given hundreds of years ago before this. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribe in every town the Lord God has given you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or short partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone, so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. So the Bible was designed by God to be the basis for living in every aspect of life. Sometimes in our court system today, the only part of the Bible that we see is, put your hand on the Bible and swear. From there on, it's whatever happens. God says, don't do that. This is to guide you in your decisions in our legal system. So we don't live by psychology to 101. We don't even live really by our laws. Unless they come from this. That's been a problem in our country. The Bible is sufficient for every question 
in life. Remember that. The Bible is totally sufficient. We come to God's Word for hope and justice and whatever, and, that, and that's what's there. So remember tonight, God's Word is totally sufficient. Back to Chronicles. Notice, he says to them, you need to fear the Lord. That's what we've missed in our country. That's what we've missed as Christians. I believe that the fear of the Lord is not just a little blip of looking at disaster, but as we studied in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One. The fear of the Lord is to worship, respect Him, love Him so much that we desire and do obey Him. People talk about the fear of the Lord, then they go out and do their own thing. No. The fear of the Lord means we're going to obey Him. And what does it mean to obey Him? It means to keep His Word. So in every aspect of our life, you and I look at that. Just remember the fear of the Lord relates to His character. He acknowledged, just in your mind again, you'll see that in a moment, that God is fully in control. We don't have to worry about that. He knows what's there. And if we'll just allow Him to bring us His peace and obey Him, everything's going to be all right. We have the ending of the book. Simple thing, we've talked about it, kind of make fun of it. We win. We do win. We know where we're going. It's guaranteed. We're going to heaven. We're going to be around that throne one day. By the grace of God. So we can relax tonight. Verse 9. He gave them these orders. And look what he says. You must serve faithfully. That's what God's work is all about. It's service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hundreds of people serving. Well, why is that? Because we've learned to serve. And that's what makes this body operate. Notice he says here, he backs up and he says, you must serve faithfully. That's the key. We're not a bunch of flakes that don't show up. We're serving faithfully. And you guys do an awesome job. Notice what else he says. Wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. Here we are again. A healthy fear of God enables us to live wisely because we're back to that whole thing again that we have a full heart for God. Verse 10. In every case that comes before you from your fellow countrymen who live in the cities, whether bloodshed or other concerns of the law, commands, decrees, ordinances, you are to warn them not to sin against the Lord. Otherwise, His wrath will come on you and your brothers. Do this and you will not sin. So there's that fear of the Lord again, that when we, and this is a great verse for counseling, any of you that counsel people, remember, we're not counseling our wisdom, we're, we're to be speaking for God. All of this first section, what Jehoshaphat's trying to do, understand what he's trying to do. Stop for a moment, give me, give me your attention. Understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to say to these people, when you go out among our fellow countrymen, you represent God. So act like it. You represent God. Well, how do we do that? We go back to his word. Do you know tonight there isn't a person in this building that's a Christian? That's exactly what we do. We represent God. So back up to it. If you're a person that only gives admonishment, but you never encourage, are you fairly representing God? No. If you only encourage, you say, well, I'm a soft touch and I don't like to ever confront and you never admonish, 
Are you representing God fairly? No. So see, that balance has to be there. And we have to represent God the way we need to represent God. And he's trying to say here, remember who you're talking about. The fear of the Lord, sin, and his wrath should keep you on the straight and narrow. Amariah, the chief priest, will be over you in any matter. So there again you see that there always has to be hierarchy. There has to be somebody that's the boss, somebody that's ruling. Concerning the Lord and Zebediah, son of Ishmael, the leader of the tribe of Judah, will be over you in any matter concerning the king. And the Levites will serve as officials before you. Underscore these words. Act with courage. And may the Lord be with those who do well. That's how we're to live. We're to act with courage and boldness, knowing that we represent God, and that with that, God is, doesn't, we're not have to operate out of fear. We can operate out of courage. Now, here's a six ways just to remind you that we need to represent God, and you saw them in this passage. Number one, let's be honest. What comes out of our mouth? Second, be fair. With that fair is grace. Third, be faithful. God is always faithful. The Bible says when we're not faithful, he remains faithful. So we're to represent him. Next, be hot for God. We're seeing that. People are zealous for God. People definitely will continue to look for him. We're not through this. So that's why God's word is there, word of comfort. Next, be filled with courage. You don't have to be bashful when you talk about the things of God. Now, you don't want to try to corner people or whatever. You, you can't change them. You can't be weird, but you certainly can have courage. And last, remind ourselves tonight, myself included, that we are going to be judged and held accountable for our actions. We don't live to ourselves. We represent God. 24-7, we represent God in every aspect of our life. Chapter 20. Circle the words after this. After this, after this great reorganization, great repentance, the words going back out to all the people, the judges are in order, we've got it all set, we're now representing God, everything is back to normal, God's first in their lives, everything looks like, man, this is going to be victory from here on out. Look what happens. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Mennonites and the West Melbourneites came to make war, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. After this, after Jehoshaphat gets things right, What happens? We use a term, loosely, all hell breaks loose. Well, this is exactly what happened. See, you can always expect spiritual warfare when you put your life in order and and when people's lives are being changed. Now, why do I come down here to tell you that? What can you expect that's going to happen to this church and every other church? There's going to be spiritual warfare. Why? Because the lives are changing. Now those churches and those individuals' lives that represent nothing, nothing from the pulpit, the word isn't taught, business as usual. Now, you'll see tonight there's no reason to fear. 
but we have to be alert that when we're doing things right, Satan will come. You can expect spiritual warfare. Let's keep your finger there and turn back to 1 Peter just for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 5. You remember Jesus after he was just filled with the Spirit? Baptized, filled with the Spirit, boom, spiritual warfare. Ready to go into ministry. Of course, one of the good things you have to remember, after those 40 days, Jesus came forth, and the Bible says he was still filled with the Spirit. I like it. I like it. First Peter, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Remember, Satan usually doesn't appear as he is. He usually appears as an angel of light. Number two, remember, we have no clue what Satan looks like. Just know that Satan's behind all of it. That's all you need to worry about. So notice... Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So Satan is alive. So just don't be surprised at spiritual warfare. Just resist, stand firm in your faith, and we'll see tonight what to do. Now, when Jehoshaphat hears that this vast army's coming, being the man of God he is, he just goes like this. No problem. Because he's just like us. When fear comes, we go, no problem. I'm not afraid at all. Well, let's look back at Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. What's the first word you read? Alarmed. Now, what does that mean? Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, we know we shouldn't be fearful. Are we sometime? For sure. And there'll be more of those. So God understands. Don't be this super spiritual. Well, I'm never a fear, never afraid, I never have any fears in my life at all. Careful. We are. We're human. But that's why this chapter, to bring us out of that fear. Now, you're going to see three keys tonight. I'm going to give you three keys as we go through this. What he does when he's fearful. Good principles for us. Number one, he fasts. Notice he called and proclaimed a fast for all Judah. This nationwide fast was basically to show God that they were serious. When you see fasting in the Bible, and some of you, I'll explain this to you in a moment. When you see fasting in the Bible, it's a sign of basically three things. Humility. In other words, man, we realize you're God and there's a problem here, and, and we're not God. Second, repentance. And third, dependence. We need your help. We're in a situation that we don't know what to do. Now, there's three kinds of fast. There's the normal fast, which involves a total abstinence of food. Today, we heard how God's Word brings safety and joy into our lives. Even though Jehoshaphat was wrong in making a covenant with someone he shouldn't have, the Lord saw that there was still good in him. He received admonishment, but also encouragement. As Pastor Mark emphasized, the Word was designed to be the basis for everything in our lives. 
In it, we can enjoy the fullest intent that He has for us. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2280. And the title of this message is Honestly Representing God. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2280. And the title of this message is Honestly Representing God. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue our study in Second Chronicles. We will learn about the biblical grounds for fasting and its application, as well as the roles of prayer and worship in our relationships with God. Fear is a powerful emotion, but one that can be conquered through true faith. His word will bring confidence and courage in troubled times. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 